Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Once again, we're live. We're live for another show. Our 59th show. 59. 59. Is that is that incredible? Ten more and it's Lamau. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to watch a European softcore thriller for our 69th show. You know we're going to have to do that. Okay, I'm down. I'm very excited to talk about tonight's film. Do I have stuff in my teeth? No, you don't have anything in your teeth. <laughs> This is the set. This is another director making a another appearance on the yes, show. Yes, it is. Uh, which is pretty <clears throat> exciting. I mean, there's so many directors we're neglecting, but oh, greetings, imagination connoisseurs! Once again, it is I, your Duke of Dope Discourse, your Master of Fun and Wonder, your Viceroy of Verisimilitude, and your Sommelier of Cinema, Robert Meyer Burnett, and I am here with the ever effervescent. Who might you be? <laughs> I am Elizabeth Gwendolyn Bell. I'm the ace, the arbiter of cinematic excellence, and the enchantress of entertainment. The enchantress of entertainment. And uh, I think tonight's movie is rather enchanting, even though it deals with some dark, dark subject matter. Absolutely. Uh, and which is which is great. I mean, I, I we had Terry Gilliam. We did Brazil. We did. Uh, a film that actually makes a pretty interesting appearance, a cameo appearance of Brazil in this film, in the office of the video store. There's a Brazil, Brazil, it. and it's a foreign movie poster. It's not the American poster. It is actually a foreign film poster. And also, David Cronenberg's The Dead Zone is up in the office. Wow, well, you noticed a lot. Well, you know, being a video <laughs> store veteran like I am, I'm always interested to see what posters are up, especially in movies that are, well, 29 years old. Very cool. So this would be, first of all, before we get into the film, we have to get into our wine. And we have a birthday bottle of wine. We do. From we received a package today. We actually received three packages today. <laughs> we did. So the birthday bottle of wine comes from our official couple. Actually, we got we got a, 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 the official representation from, from the East Coast, the Pacific Northwest today. But this is a Beaujolais Village. Uh, I like uh, Henri Jadot, Beaujolais. Mm -hmm. Louis Jadot, it's not Henri. Louis. It's, oh, man. So much for that hey, sponsorship. you're getting closer. You're getting closer. We're getting closer to 30,000 subs. We are getting closer to 30,000 so subs. I might be helping Rob. Thank God, because my French broken... I, I mean, I feel, I feel like I'm on the short bus to uh, some country without 
knowing what to but say. I, I love I love you speaking French. Yeah, but doesn't it make me look like a m m m moron? Nah. What the hell are we supposed to do, you moron? That's from <laughs> Animal House, ladies and gentlemen. Um, let's drink to tonight's film, Terry Gilliam's 1991, The Fisher King, a movie he did not write, one of the very few. Mm. Oh, I love these wines. That's lovely. Always lovely. Always lovely. <clears throat> so Richard Lagravenise wrote this movie, gets sole screenplay credit, nice. and uh, you know I think uh, Terry Gilliam was trying to prove that he could make. Actually, this film was produced by two female producers, hmm. Deborah Hill, who worked with John Carpenter, the late great Deborah Hill, and Linda Obst. Oh, nice. So, uh, and they're the they're the the producers of the film, and Richard Lagravenise <coughs> obviously wrote it. Mercedes Rule won an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Wow. Amanda Plummer was nominated for... I think she won Best Actress, and Amanda Plummer was nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Oh, very cool. And the film did receive other nominations. And uh, I think I think this is one of Terry Gilliam's best and most uh, accessible films for the general public. Yeah, it's probably... I mean, a lot of his other films are offbeat. It was the second time he dealt with the... Holy Grail is a part of his subject matter. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first being Monty Python's Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh, he made that. Yes. I see now. Yes. <laughs> He's a little obsessed with the Holy Grail. Well, I think I, I think Grail quests are sort of part of his entire filmography. Yeah. Um, the the man who killed Don Quixote. I mean. Don Quixote is kind of a story about a man, I mean, the tilting at windmills, he's kind of on his own grail quest in a way. Yeah, it's a quest, for and, sure. And there, there is, there's a lot of characters, I mean, the Adventures of Baron Munchausen, uh, Time Bandits, he, these mythical quests are very much a part yeah. of, of the, the idea of, I think, his whole filmography. I like that. I do too. I like that a lot. So this movie begins with it begins with Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges as Jack as, Lucas will excuse yeah. me, Radio Shock Jock, kind of like a Howard Stern type, Eric yes. Bogosian and talk radio. Yes, and he's uh, yes he's a radio host, and um, so it opens with him doing his thing on the radio. And he gets a call from a guy who calls pretty often. Yeah, like a daily call. Yeah. And he, the guy tells him he's met somebody. And then Jack goes off on some rant. Yeah, about, about this yuppie bars and those people, you can't trust them and they yeah. don't care about you and, you know, forget about her. and. Yeah, he just flippantly just rattles off this stuff and... um. Well, and at, at the same time, he's also up to be in a TV series, basically based on his life. Right, right, and, right. And he he's got a great apartment and a hot young girlfriend. And he's got this whole he's bored out of her yeah, he's bored mind. out of her mind, you know. Um, but yeah, so he goes home. He's so excited because the next day they're going to be shooting his show. Well, they're going to be shooting. I think they're putting him on tape. He's doing his audition or something. Or are they, they shooting were, a show? Maybe they are. Maybe they they're shooting, shooting a show. The show. And uh, so he has one line that he needs to know for the next day, and it's, well, excuse me. Or, uh, well, f forgive me? Well, no. forgive me. It was forgive me, and then he changes it to excuse me, you know, because he's arrogant. I don't know. 
does he change it? Yeah, anyway. he starts up for it's not him. So he's he does those line readings and he's ranting in his apartment trying to get the Yeah, he keeps practicing the same line over and over again. And then the next morning Well, no, he sees it that, that night when he's practicing, he sees a news report. I thought it was the next morning he gets up to go and he's watching the news. Oh, maybe it is the next one. I think you're mm. right. He's watching the news and on the news he sees um that there was a shooting in a bar in Manhattan. The bar. The bar. And um, nine people were killed. And as the story unfolds, he finds out that it, the shooter was the guy that he told that stuff to. So he he, he blames himself. And indeed, he might have... And the news blamed him, too. <laughs> the news blamed him, too. I mean, he definitely instigated it. I mean, then again, you know, but you never yeah, know... But see, yes... He was not careful with what he was saying, but, I mean, in my mind, you can't control what other people... No, but you have to be... I think what's interesting is... You do have to be careful what you're saying. Right. And 29 years on, in our culture today, you never know. Like, who, who knows who's listening to this movie? Maybe we will cause somebody to drink too much wine and watch films they shouldn't be watching. Well, what kind of films would we send them to be watching i don't know i was trying to make a joke you're supposed to laugh and be like think that was funny Uh, maybe it wasn't that funny but but i think we send people to watch movies they should be watching well it's true it's true but the idea is we don't know who's out there we don't and and i think that there has been a lot of of um especially now in our social media culture and you just never know what people are saying and what people are thinking and right i think i think everybody needs to act responsibly when they're online especially talking from some soapbox like ours. You do. You really have to be careful. And uh, then the movie jumps three years later. Three years later, and he's a mess. He's a mess. I yeah. mean, he's, he hasn't gotten over his guilt. his job. Everything. He um, is now living with his girlfriend. He's living with Mercedes Rule, who is not exactly the kind of woman that he, he got a woman he found she was a, a life preserver and it's assumed that she's actually a, a, a lovely woman she really yeah. loves him she's a business owner she lives above the video store that she runs yeah. it's her own business and he's freeloading he's drinking whiskey all he night is. long and, and she enables him she's trying to put him back together and yes she's and she's definitely hopes a, that he will become something that she could you know and he's obviously tortured and one night, a typical night for him, he's drinking. She's like, are you going to stop drinking? And he, he doesn't. And he, he takes a bottle and goes out into New York. He does. Goes out into the city and... And he... Um, just gets hammered. Becomes more and more drunk and more and more depressed and more and more hopeless. So finally... Um, well, first of all, some kid brings him this... Um, Uh, Like a a nutcracker Pinocchio kind of a doll. Elf Christmas thing, and uh, oh, he he gives it to him because he thinks he's a homeless guy. Yeah, and and the first we see the he's from a very well healed family. We see the rich father, and there's a homeless guy who wants money, and the father's like you. You immediately get a sense that the the homeless community is this community of troglodytes that most of New York society could care less about. And 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 it, it, the dichotomy of that world, the two worlds colliding, is very much in that scene. Absolutely. And then the kid hands him, you know, this doll. He hands him the doll, and um, he's wandering around. He ends up by the um, the river. By the river. 
underneath one of the iconic New York bridges. I'm not sure if that's the Williamsburg Bridge, the Brooklyn Bridge. I'm not sure which bridge yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm not sure which bridge either, but he is there and he decides that he wants to end it. He's going to kill himself. So he ties a... Um, cement a cinder, cement overshoes. Or a... Uh, cement galoshes, <laughs> as, as Scotty would say in a piece of the action. He ties it onto his um, leg and ties the doll to it and he's about to jump when all of a sudden these teenagers show up in their jeep and they come out and they want to beat the shit out of them and they do i mean they they hit him with a baseball bat they pour gasoline they like pour they're gonna gas. set him on they want fire. to set him on fire which is just unbelievable i mean and then right when they're about to do that um three homeless guys show up led by a knight Led by a knight. Led by a knight on a grail quest. That's right. Um, Parsifal, you know, Galahad, who could But, and it's Robin Williams. It's Robin Williams. As Perry, decked out in the finest homeless armor anybody could have. Absolutely. And so they, he basically rescues Jack from these kids. And um, he ends up taking him to his, his home, which is... Kind of under, uh, it's an enclave of homeless people underneath the bridge. Yeah, right. And crazy ne'er do well folks. Right. Yes. Um, so he takes him home and he lives in a basement, a basement of the, the building he used to live in. Right. When he used to live upstairs when he was not mentally. And you, we, we find out about Perry's past and it turns out he, he, he his he and his wife were in the very bar that was shot up yeah. by Jacks. You uh, find that out after. We find it out you, later, but yeah. And, and and yet he because of that because that he he was there when his wife was shot basically shot in the back of the head, which we see later, but in the face the most horrible tragedy, and he it, it sent him into a state of catatonia for yeah, a month. Yeah, he was in a mental institution, mental ward, and um. And now he lives on the streets. Now he lives on, and he has—it's like he has no memory. As Perry is not his real name. That's no. His, that was his persona that he had, right. and he was like a professor and a yeah, a teacher of history. He was a very well-heeled guy. Yes. And this tragedy has 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 made him descend into homelessness. Right. So uh, he explains to Jack, who's trying to get away because this guy's crazy. And uh, he ex explains to him <clears throat> that he heard um, basically angels, <laughs> big fat baby angels, cherubs, tell him that he needed to find the Holy Grail. The Holy Grail. And he knows where it is. He does because um, they also told him, or somehow a magazine was named and what page to look at. So he looks at that magazine and... Some architecture magazine. And there's literally a castle. And, yeah. In in New York, where this very guy lives in a castle. A very wealthy man, and it's a it's a it's a medieval. It looks like a medieval it castle. It does. It does, which is hilarious. And um, on the page they told him is a picture of the guy's library, and on the shelf is a Grail. And so he thinks like that's his quest. He has to get this Grail. And he explains this to Jack. <laughs> Again, this is our second movie that we've done on this show about a Grail quest. Because Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade 
is also about um, oh, yes, the Holy Grail. <laughs> there it is. Uh, so yes, I mean it's an ongoing theme apparently on this show, not just in Terry Gilliam's career. <laughs> but then and but then Jeff Bridges, they they strike up this very unlikely friendship. Yeah. And and they get it, well because then Jack finds out that um, the the guy who you know that he told off basically went and killed and one of the victims was yeah Harry's wife. And so now this guilt that he's been carrying around for three years now has a face. Yeah. Now, and and so he realizes that above and beyond what he already like he was all admired in self pity and wallowing in his own right. muck, but now seeing how someone else was affected and finding out that this tragedy had greater proportions than he'd ever realized. Yes. And he starts to sort of come out of a shell where where he feels that that in seeing that there's someone even more sad and pathetic in a way than he is, that he starts I think coming out of well, his, he, he feels guilty, and so he wants to fix it. He wants to fix and it. He sees a way to fix something. He, he wants to help because he feels so guilty about it. Um, and then he realizes after a bit of spending time with him that maybe if he can help him in some way, it might relieve him of some of his guilt. And and yes, and, and also the Perry character, uh, unbeknownst to Jeff Bridges because he can't see it, is being pursued by this dark, this this red, hellish, fire-breathing knight on a horseback that is is pursuing him yes. throughout the city in his own mind. This this we don't really know what it is yet, but it's a manifestation of everything that he's Robin Williams is sort of fighting against, and it's it's really well done. I mean, the way that if it's very Terry Gilliam esque, <laughs> it is, it is, uh, and and it, you know, there's no there's really no optical effects in this film until the the end card at the at the end of the film but maybe a couple shots of the moon but it's a physical effect so they have this giant fire breathing knight on horseback running through the streets of new york and it's <laughs> it's really great i mean the imagery is really yeah really interesting it's pretty menacing and jeff bridges is trying to figure out like what are we running away from and yeah and they find sometimes Perry rescues people in the park from getting trampled by horses. Yes. And so Perry Perry is living in this dream world where he's the city. He's a knight. He saves people. He's and... a, yes. <laughs> and then one day, uh, Jeff Bridges discovers that Perry is obsessed with a woman. Yes, he's obsessed with this woman. He's been watching her for a while. He knows her routines. He's like. He's in love with her, and and it's it's Amanda Plummer, yeah, who, who's a great actress who specializes in playing kind of these weird, yeah. quirky. She's very weird and quirky. she's very weird and quirky. I, I mean, she, and and she does a great job. She's great she, she really in this does. role. She does a lot of physical comedy, yeah. and it's it's very. But it never, you know, it never crosses the line of being goofy, right? Even though there's these fantasy elements to it, it's still. The way this movie shot, it, it feels like you're on the streets of New York. There is verisimilitude here. Yeah. And and what, one of the things I think is so great is that it never breaks. You never go into full-on fantasy sequences. Yeah. When you see, like, there's great moments. There's great shots when, like, the giant, the fire-breathing knight, the evil knight, is, is galloping through the city and galloping right past people that are just walking normally. Right. It's really subtle, but, but, but the, you see just 
just people walking down the street yeah. that have, are completely they, oblivious. They don't see it. I mean, I would love to have known, like, it, when they were filming this movie, did they have a problem with these extras, like, turning their heads and looking, like, or cowering <laughs> from the flames, you know, you know. But, um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's really great. So they follow her around. Yeah, so, yes, they follow her around. He knows her routine, and he drags Jack to the subway um, to greet, you know, see her come home um, from work. And there's a great scene where she, he's like, she'll be here. She, like, this is the time. And this she's a little time. late. And she's a little late, so he's a little worried. So he starts, you know, looking for her. And all of a sudden, she, you know, she comes tripping, tripping down the, the hallway. And the moment he sees her, this is like the most beautiful moment in the film. The moment he sees her, everyone starts dancing like they're in a ballroom. Right, and, and it, it becomes it, this grand ballroom. Yeah, and, like Union Station has become this beautiful, and they've got the the light is shining off. It looks like a disco ball, and yeah. And they did shoot this with both professional dancers and actual travelers that were <laughs> you know coming through the station. Oh, very cool. And it is a it's again it's a beautiful magical realism moment of uh, but yet it's. Yeah. It's so gorgeous, and again, and it's it, so well done because, like, it feels so dreamy, and you you know, like, you're in his his imagining. And this was something that Richard Lagravenisi did not have in his original script. Oh Terry my God. Gilliam didn't like. I I don't remember what was originally there, but so Terry Gilliam came up with this idea himself, and they changed Brilliant. it. Brilliant. No, it's it's really really well done, and the way you know it's so subtle how people come together. Like there's not this moment where the camera stops and suddenly it shows everybody dancing. Yeah, no. It's like they suddenly they they're just, walking and then they and begin then they dancing. Just slowly, it's, this beautiful waltz, and and then she walks by and he follows her, and everyone's waltzing around them, and then they reach the end of the hallway, and everyone just kind of gently goes back to what they were doing. And um. Another another character that's introduced is the character of Michael Jeter. And yes. Michael Jeter had the big bushy mustache. He, Michael Jeter was a great actor. He was a Broadway actor, a Tony Award winning yeah. actor who actually died of AIDS. Uh, he didn't he was HIV positive for a long time. He died of an epileptic seizure. Oh wow. Uh, according to his partner and he's a great actor. He's another one of this the homeless community. Yes, he was great. He and, was great. And he Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, he says, yeah, I was once a cabaret star and yeah. I once sang and danced on Broadway. So he's a friend of Perry's and they kind of... Well, they rescued him. He was like in the park and... and uh, the Perry, horses almost ran over yeah, him. Yeah, so they rescued him and he becomes part of their little... He becomes part of their troop. Yeah. So so Perry 
comes up with this idea that if there's a way that I can get these two people together, yeah, maybe that's what I need to do to help Perry. That that that's my penance. That's his penance, and he feels like it'll free him to move on with his life. So um, he so he formulates a plan to get them together, and so he calls her work and. His girlfriend happens to come into the room and he's like, she's like, who's Lydia? Who's Lydia? Oh, that's great. Are and you seeing somebody? You're, yeah. you're calling her from my house. <laughs> and then he explains his plan to her and she's like, oh, well, that's a great plan. So, um. They're so going to they, give her a, a VCR. Yeah. Ten free movie rentals <laughs> so, and a free membership. So they. He can, yeah, he gives her a free membership. They figure out where she works. They call her at work. Yeah. And then, so. She, she says no. She says no, but then they they are like, well, we gotta make this work. So then they ask um, Michael Jeter, Michael Jeter, to go in there and do a singing telegram and give her the membership. Right. And now, one thing I want to mention that the the TV show that's based on Jack actually got made. Right. So what we didn't say is that he sits there when he was drinking and he watches this show and drinks himself into oblivion because this was supposed to be his show. And the guy that's playing him on the TV show is Harry Shearer. Uh, Harry Shearer, who does all of the vo- does a lot of voices in The Simpsons, was in like the right stuff. Oh, He's this great okay. character actor, great <laughs> raconteur. He does podcasts and radio shows, and 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 it, it, it's great. I mean, it's great. There's all these little uh, Kathy Najimy plays this crazy woman in a video store. Not crazy, but she's looking for something to watch. And Jeff Bridges in his drunken stupor. Doesn't really help her. Yeah. And so there's all these great, like, New York character actors sprinkled throughout. John Delancey shows up later in the film. Q himself. That's right. As a network executive. He does. David Hyde Pierce plays Jack's agent. Uh, Yep. Yep. Okay, so where were we? So so they send Michael Jeter to to her work, um, uh, uh, Lydia's work. And he yeah. delivers this Broadway number and 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 he sings. sings to her, he brings her balloons. He's like dressed in a pink frilly dress, and <laughs> and he basically shames her into. I mean, every one of her coworkers is standing around. She works in this publishing house, a very apparently a prestigious New York publishing house. And yeah. So she takes the membership card or the card, and the and then after work she goes. Or is it after work or the next? Well, day? yeah, where we don't know. Um, so they know she's coming, so they ask, uh, Perry to play as an employee. So yeah, this is how they're going to meet. You're going to, you're going to meet your love right their, now. Yeah. It's their meet cute. And so he, they, they put a t-shirt on him of the video store and she shows up and, um, so he meets her and he's trying to help her find movies and then she wants a specific musical Ethel Merman. Uh, she wants yeah, Ethel, Ethel Merman. Ethel Merman. And um, they don't have her, so she's like, okay, I'm leaving. <laughs> and they do everything they can to get her to stay, and they actually... And then she notices um, uh, Mercedes' fingernails, which were painted red with, like, shooting stars on them. And she she mentions how much she likes them. And then Jack is like, well... well um, or she asks, who did your nails? And she's like, well, I did them myself. And then Jack offers for, for his girlfriend to do her nails. Right. Um, and why don't you do them, like, right after work? Yeah. 
And then uh, she's like, well, how much? And then right away she jumps in because Jack's about to say for free. And she's like, $40. And then she like hems and haws. Hmm, hmm. And then finally like she's like, okay. <laughs> and then she shows up that evening. And while she's getting her nails done, Perry and Jeff Bridges clean him up. They clean Perry up. Right. Because he's still a homeless dude. Yeah. And and they try and get and him so a linen suit. Is, yeah, so he like gets one of his old suits. Um, and then staples the sleeves and the, and the you know... To make them fit Perry. Yeah, because uh, Jeff Bridges is a big guy. So um, they do that. They clean him up. And the plan is when they come back to the apartment, they're going to invite her out to dinner. And he also gives him his wallet so he can pay. So um, they show up. And meanwhile, the the girls have been, you know, talking. They've been drinking tequila, drinking and talking. Having actually, a really good time and connecting. And, yeah. Um, so uh, when the guys show up and say, "Let's go to dinner," at first, Lydia's like, "Oh no, no, no! I need to go home." She's reluctant. And. Um, but they convince her. They convince her. And they go out and they have. It's really interesting. They go out <laughs> and have this nice time at the dinner table. Yeah. And you know that Jeff Bridges and Mercedes rule, their relationship is kind of, it's not great. It's not great. But what's interesting is the two of them are watching the, the sparks fly between Perry and Lydia, and they really have something going. And you see that there's something like the two of them are helping. Mercedes rule realizes that Jack is maybe not such a sad, pathetic person. I mean, he's done this thing, this selfless yeah. thing, and she's participating. So... It's an, it also in a very interesting sort of a... Uh, they use these wipes that go in between the scene to sort of the passage of time. But it was sort of interesting. It wasn't... from Just as an aside from a filmmaking perspective, yeah. I noticed that there, it doesn't... The time doesn't... The wipes don't pass the time that much. And I was, I was wondering, like, you're not... There's not enough difference between right. the scenes. So I figured they had these long goofy scenes at dinner but they couldn't let them run long it would just seem so i think they figured out a really interesting technique it's not used anywhere else in the film where these wipes are just happening and and it works like it shouldn't work but it, as a device it works somehow like during the dinner scene? yeah during the dinner it, it keeps wiping when they're when they're doing having fun i did not notice oh yes no there are these wipes there and it was it's just a technique yeah and normally you do you'd use it to show the passage of time right. and there would be a lot there would be a lot more movement but I think he did it because these these scenes ran long and they weren't as funny. It didn't work. Yeah. So th I thought this was an interesting, uh, rather audacious from a editorial and, and directing perspective to do something like that. But it really, I thought it worked for the scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was, so it was, and they they clearly they have sparks. They're, they do. They have sparks. They're having a great time. And um, Jack and what is her name in the movie? What is her character's name? Anna. Anna. Anne. Anne. Anne Napolitano. Anne. So Jack and Anne now are starting to really get along because they're, they're watching this happen before them and it kind of sparks their relationship a bit. And so they end up walking to their apartment and they're, they're joking and having yeah, a Yeah, it, it juxtaposes Perry and Lydia walking home to her apartment and then Mercedes Rule and Jeff Bridges are walking home to their apartment. Right. And there's, it's a night, it's nice. And they're both getting along and, and the, when they get to, when Jeff Bridges and when Anne and, and Jack get home, 
they have some sparks fly and he picks her up and carries her up the threshold up the yes. stairs and then there's a really great moment when um lydia and Ra and perry are outside her door yeah and and she basically says everything that's going to happen like right. you're going to come up and 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 we're going to sleep together and all this but then you're not going to call me tomorrow i'm never going to hear from you again she basically gives this whole thing about yeah and you realize like this has happened to her so many times yeah. before and it's left her it's really sad it is like, so sad and the way it's on and and uh, amanda Plummer is so good delivering this story and you you believe yeah. it utterly and yep. You know, you're and with she, her. She goes to go home, so you basically runs to her door. Right. And he's like, "Wait, wait, wait a second. You basically, um, we basically made love and um, broke up all in thirty seconds. All in thirty seconds. <laughs> and it's a great moment. And then they 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 talk. He, he's like, "I just like would like one kiss." Yeah. And and she kisses him, and you realize that there, it's gonna work. Well, you know, he has this moment where he tells her that he was basically stalking her and at first i'm like don't tell her don't tell her she's gonna well, that, think yeah. you're creepy but he tells it in such a beautiful way that she's so touched that she um you know she she's at this point like wow and by the way you know what like i'll bet you there are people that would say that when robin williams like you said it was creepy now people would be like well this is problematic we, he was stalking her, and is this movie advocating for men stalking? Well, like, I mean, there's a difference between stalking and... Oh, this is the good stalking. This is, yeah. There's the bad stalking, and there's the good stalking. True. Well, I wouldn't call it stalking if it's good. Right. It's so where do you draw that line? <laughs> there's a problematic line in the sand. I mean, who, where are you going to crawl? Who, which side of that line are you going to be on? Yeah. But it, it does work out. And it was a different time, thirty or twenty-nine years ago. You could stalk women in New York. It was all right, as long as you're. Well, I'm just I mean, kidding. Stalking where you're like looking in their windows, right? And well, and they did look creepy. in the window. They did look in the window. Jack and Perry looked in the window, but not in her bedroom window. No. They were looking. She was in a restaurant. Because because Perry has manners. He would never do that. He's a knight. He's a knight. He has honor. <laughs> he was just showing Jack that he knew that she was eating these dumplings every Wednesday. Right. But it works out. So Perry, they part, and then then Perry has a, a, a vision of the red, the red the red knight. Yeah, so and he, he kisses her, and it and it gives him this flashback of his wife. And we see what actually happened. Yeah, and it was way too graphic. It was hardcore. Hardcore. But I think you know what I what I appreciate about this movie is the plight of the homeless. This is not, these yeah. are not all the, it's the magical homeless people. Right. I mean, it really does a good job about showing the plight of the homeless, like whether they're in Bellevue or what a mental ward. I mean, the, the hardships, I think this film, without without beating you over the head, is very sympathetic to the homeless community. Absolutely. And, and it never, it could have been pandering in a way, but it really isn't. Yeah. And even though it portrays the the characters, the homeless characters as being not all of them, I mean, it's it also is sad. And there's definitely the message being conveyed: we're not doing enough for these people. You know, we've forgotten yeah. our homeless population. And I think it, it 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 could have been in any other director's hands, maybe not as acceptable, I guess. So it doesn't soft pedal the plight of the homeless. No. And and. Just when you you thought Perry was he's he's Robin Williams now he's gonna find love, it shocks you back into reality, 
the rea- his reality of his mental illness yeah. and what happened to him, and it shows you in a very graphic way. I mean, really, for this movie, it crosses it crosses a line into an incredibly the death of Robin Williams' wife because, and I think it needed yeah. to because without that moment, I don't think I think it really hammered home just what happened to him. You know what caused his psychic break, psychotic break. I mean, yeah, but that was intense. Like, no, mm. it it was intense, and he get, ends up in this. It's a scene. It's, I mean, I want to say, well, it's a wonderful scene. It's a very effective scene, where he's running from the the night through the streets of New York again, and it's really malevolent. And and uh, we've seen this night a couple of times, but it's never been as scary, and and traumatic as it is as he's running through the city because we've come to love Perry by now. Yes. And and it, it makes us remember, like, don't love him too much. And it gives you real peril. And he he runs back to the familiar confines of, of where he his homeless encampment was, thinking that he's found safety. Right. And he gets there, and he looks around, and the night seems to have disappeared. But unfortunately, then it gets worse. Well, yeah. I mean, the night slashes him and he thanks him and then those kids well yeah he think the night's gonna run him through but then it turns out that uh, to end his pain and then it, it's really the two guys from the beginning that were gonna burn up jeff bridges and it's those same thugs those same kids they come and they beat the shit out of him yeah they, they get their payback yeah and they they horribly beat him horribly i mean and this it, the movie does not soft pedal this yeah and he winds up comatose in the hospital, broken arm, his head's cracked open, just in terrible, terrible shape. Yeah. yeah um... And then, then you find out that uh, because of that, Jeff Bridges, uh, he calls his agent. We see a great scene. Right, he feels good at this point because he doesn't know about everything that happened after, but he thinks that the night was a great success that they had a connection and he feels really good and this empowers him he feels great so he calls his agent yes he calls his agent and he asks his agent can i come back to work and his agent says yes absolutely and and you see that this change in him yeah he's he's back to being a dick he's back to being a dick he's back to being the way he was when we first met him right and and a player with huge commitment issues and mercedes rule and and comes in. And she's excited for him. She's excited. She's she thinks so everything happy. is. She's she's like, oh, we can start looking for a bigger apartment, and she's like thinking about the future together. And he maybe does, get half of the top floor of a house in Brooklyn. Yeah, and he's like, oh, we need to take a break. What the? It's a great what? scene, though. Her acting. It is. Her. There's a reason she won the Academy Award for this movie. <laughs> I mean, it's a scene where and 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 it feels so real. Like how many times has this scene been played out in that human scene history? Is so real. It's so real, and and both the acting in this movie is very. It's very very good from everyone. Jeff Bridges is sort of the unsung MVP in this movie because he is terrific. He is. I'm surprised he wasn't nominated. But yeah, but he's just his characters. You, you know, he's not necessarily likable. He yeah. facilitates the plot, but you think he's kind of a schmuck this whole time. He's a dick. And then he descends back, and he basically, they're having this fight and everything, and then suddenly the phone rings. He basically is broken up with her. Yeah. And, Let's and take a break. She's like, no, we're either breaking up or, you know. Yeah, I'm not a modern woman. Like, I'm old-fashioned, Jack. Do, do you love me? And he's like, well, I'm not sure. Yeah. And she's like, 
the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, no, we're we're not going to be on break. We're we're breaking yeah, up. Yeah, that's great. And they get the phone call from the hospital because the, apparently it's it's maybe a couple of days have gone by. Yeah. Because Robin Williams, a uh, Perry is is he's completely in a cast, but he had he was found with Jeff. I don't Bridges. think a couple of days go by because they both go together at that point. No, but I mean I mean because it took him a while. He feels better, but I got the idea that. Maybe a couple of days did go by because, oh. or at least because if you see oh, where... Oh, because he pulled himself together. He, and, yeah, he yeah. pulled himself... It might have a couple of days. He, yeah, he's right. feeling good. And when you see what happens, they get the phone call from the hospital because yeah. somebody finally got around to looking at and finding the, the, the his wallet. Jeff Bridges was... Perry right. had his wallet. Yeah. Had Jack's wallet. And they go to the hospital and, and they see Robin Williams. Uh, Perry is in terrible shape. Terrible. And he's canatonic and he is not responding... And basically, the doctor's like, there's nothing you can do. We're going to send him to the mental hospital. And um, and so... And they, there's, uh, there's, uh, there's nothing you can do. And then Mercedes Rule and uh, Anne and Jeff, uh, Anne and Perry, Anne and... Anne wait a and minute. Jack. Anne and Jack, <laughs> they leave Perry. And Mercedes Rule's like, okay, we're yeah, done. She did her duty. She went and saw him. And then she's like, well, I'm sorry. And there's, then she just leaves... There's an amazing, there's an amazing camera shot where the camera is on the second floor sort of behind him and it goes over a balcony and it pulls down and it kind of follows Mercedes rule down the stairs and, and then you see Jeff Bridges come up and look at her leave. It's a great, it's a beautiful, long, I'll call you. Yeah. And it's just a great. It's it, it definitely it has a sense of finality. Yeah. To it. That was a great scene. It was a great scene, and then you basically cut to Jeff Bridges is now back on the radio. He's back on the radio. And he's back where he was, even though even though he's a little softer. He's a little softer, but he's he's got his radio show back. It's almost like he's right back where he started from, yeah. doing his show, and everything is great. Yeah. And and he's gonna do a, a pitch. Like yeah, he's got a new TV show. Taking him to do to do a pitch, a pitch to, for a show that they want him to be in. And so, um, what he goes and does that? Well, well, he yes, he goes and does that. But he goes with David Hyde Pierce. His agent and him are going beautiful New York building, probably somewhere on I don't know uh, uh, Midtown, some great. Yeah. And as as they're going into the building, they see Michael Jeter. Right. Michael Jeter is the right. homeless cabaret singer, and, and he's the, getting the rousted security, by the cops yeah, or whatever. Yeah, the security guard doesn't want to let him in the building. Yeah, and, and, and they're like, Jack, he's like, Jack, Jack, and Jack sees him. Yeah. And they, they lock eyes, and, yep. and he can't... Be, and his agent's like, do you know him? And then Jack just walks into the building. Just disses. I mean, if you if you weren't convinced he's what become... dick. Prime, prime dick again. <laughs> and then they're in, they're in this... They're in this pitch with Q, with John Delancey. Yes. And John Delancey's making his pitch. He's saying, look, we want to do this show about three wacky homeless guys. And and I guess you're going to be the friend or whatever it was, however it was going to be. Yeah. And it's exactly what the homeless population <laughs> could have been portrayed like in this movie if it wasn't directed by Terry That's Gilliam. right. So it's a very meta commentary on, <laughs> on what's going on. And as he's listening to this, he realizes he has a crisis of conscience. Yeah. He just gets up and leaves. He leaves that meeting. And he can't find Michael Jeter. Uh, he's Does gone. Does he look for him? Well, yeah. He's like, he, he, he goes out. Maybe he's around and he says, damn it. And then he ends up and goes to visit 
Oh, Perry I, didn't, again. I didn't realize that part. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Yeah, and he goes to visit he Perry. Goes to see Perry. And Perry now is still catatonic, so time has gone by. Yeah, you know? and he goes in and he sees Lydia leaving and he d- pretends like, you know, he turns around so she can't see him. And she's t- asking the nurse about some, some watermelon sheets that she had brought in. Right. And uh, she leaves and then he goes and sees... But, but we also know that for all the time that Jack has been putting his life back together, Lydia has been going to the hospital and visiting him. That's what we learn in that scene. And, and you walk, he walks up to him and he's wearing these funny watermelon pajamas and he's got like happy sheets. And so she's been there probably every day. And, and Jack sees him sitting there and realizes that here Lydia is showing him such kindness and he hasn't, he's been an, a selfish prick. A selfish prick. He thought like he did his duty, and that he could just be like, "I'm out of here." No, and and then he goes and visits the boiler room where Perry was living, where all of his stuff was. Well, first of all, when he's there, Lucky Land Casino asking people, "What's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?" Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Perry, he goes through this speech of how he's not going to do it, and he shouldn't be guilted into to doing it, and... He goes on and on, and then he starts walking away, stomping off, like, you can't guilt me into doing this. And then he comes back, and he's like, well, if I do do this, and then he kind of, like, talks himself into um, doing this for him, <laughs> which I thought was very interesting. See, I don't, I know, I think, I think he, what he does is he sees Perry, then he goes to the boiler room, and he gets the Pinocchio doll, from the beginning of the movie that was oh, given well to him. Oh, and then he did that first. No, no, no. Uh, oh, he yeah, maybe you, 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 you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. But he go, yeah, that's right. He goes to the boiler room, gets the stuff because he brings the Pinocchio doll. He does. Yeah. So he goes to the boiler room after he can't find Michael Jeter. Yeah. Looks through his things, finds out about his Grail quest. Yeah. Looks you know, at the and Grail looks quest at stuff. it, gets this stuff, and looks through it, and then gets, gets the Pinocchio the, doll, yeah. and he brings it back to the hospital where he sees him. Right. laid out and and he leaves the Pinocchio doll and then gives that speech again a phenomenal moment uh with Jeff Bridges acting Absolutely. I mean Jeff Bridges is basically it's, it's a soliloquy this. he's given and and it's great because he's like I'm, I'm I, I, you're not my problem blah 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 yeah, and he's gonna totally, go away like it, he totally connects with the the character of being a dick and he's like be, still being a dick even though he's there and then he like realizes and and he starts you know his subconscious starts working on him and he you know comes back and he's like well if i do do this yeah <laughs> and and it's great because he he finally accepts everything that perry is told one of the things we forgot about is at, at, earlier on in the film perry takes jeff bridges into the middle of central park right. at night and strips naked you he know does. and he says this you got to sit and you and you 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 cloud you cloud burst or you you cloud break or whatever right and Jeff Bridges is like, whatever. It was part of their whole like, day. Oh, whatever. Oh, my God. And, and you see full frontal Yeah, Robin you were delighted. You were, you were seeing a little like, Robin oh Williams. Oh, my God. You got some, <laughs> some Robin Williams peen. Uh, yes. Got to see the peen. Mm. So then Jeff Bridges goes out. And again, Terry Gilliam is, 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 is 
threading a very thin, well, he's using a needle and threading a very thin line, whatever you want to say, because a scene, the scene could have been ludicrous where Jeff Bridges goes and, 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 uh, penetrates this castle fortress where this man lives. But it's great because it's got this, this whimsy that, you know, like, from the the when you're mentally ill there's there's this little part of you that's that's got this crazy whimsical you know well it's all earned i mean it's earned because we've seen this fire breathing red knight so and then jeff bridges is dressed up in sort of this weird homeless knight thing going on and and he 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 uses he he scales the the sides of the castle and goes up into one of the he does it's and that's where he sees the stained glass window, and it's the night. It's a stained glass window of the red night. And he hears he hears the fire breathing. Yeah. Horse, or, yes. and and he goes, "Great, you've got me hearing horses now too." <laughs> right. So, the assimilation, like yeah. Jeff Bridges, is bought into Perry's worldview or whatever, and then he goes in. He makes his way into this, and he goes into this room where the where the Grail is. He sees the Grail. He gets the grail and he turns around and what does he find? Yeah, he hears a, a glass hit the ground and he turns around and it's this guy is like slumped over in a chair. And he goes over to him and notices that there's an empty pill bottle. He's It's a suicide attempt. Yeah, and he doesn't know what to do. And so, and then he's like, oh, he tr-, and then he's like, I'm going to just leave. And so he takes the the um, the chalice, which happens to be like this trophy for some from 1932, kid. <laughs> you know, probably that guy, that guy's from yeah, his childhood. Probably that was it. That was something he won in his childhood, yeah. you know. And uh, then he goes out the door so and goes, trips an alarm. Well, at first he decide, he's thinking, well, maybe I should just go the way I came. But then he sees the door, but there's a laser across the door, so he realizes if he goes out the front door, then the cops will come. So that's what he does. He does. And then... So he takes the chalice and he goes back to see Perry. And he it, it's a great moment. Like, he takes the chalice and puts it he in puts Perry's his hands hand. on it. And he's just exhausted and Jeff Bridges kind of lays down and falls asleep with his yeah. head on Perry's, Perry's hospital bed. Yeah. And so in the middle of the night, Perry wakes up. Perry, uh, Perry wakes up and... Um, and Perry says that he's he now realizes what happens. He's given up his his grief. He's like, is it is it okay? Again, another great piece of acting. Robin Williams is is it's a great camera shot where the where Jeff Bridges' face is in the foreground. You see his eyes. Jeff Bridges' eyes are open, and Perry's sort of out of focus, saying, "Is it okay that I miss her?" Yeah. You know, and you realize, and, and then you see um, Jeff Bridges just with tears in his eyes. And then it cuts to. Amanda Plummer is Lydia, who comes into the hospital and finds his bed empty. Empty, and they're no one. They're both gone. Yeah, and then she draws the curtain back and sees that he, they're singing. And there was a song that he was singing all the time. I like New York. I like Gershwin in New York. How mm-hmm. about you? <laughs> you know, it was great. And 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 they are. He's leading this chorus. And then he see all the all the 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 mentally ill people are singing with him, and it's singing. this great moment. And Lydia comes, and it's I I got I got choked up. Yeah, I shed a tear he watching this movie again. He turns around and he sees her, and he's like, "Oh, sweetheart, you're here. You're my girl. <laughs> Where have you been? You're my girl, right?" Yeah. <laughs> and um, 
and they kiss and they're together and it's you know that they're gonna live happily ever after yes and then jeff bridges goes back to see mercedes rule at the he video does. store sheepishly goes and, back and what does he and say to her like, what are you doing here why are you here and he's like um he doesn't really know what to say at first and she's like i don't have time for this and then he's like well i love you and she's like say it again she like slams the door she's like what <laughs> could you say that again <laughs> and he says it again and um they kiss and they live happily ever after well then it, and then it they live happily ever after and then it cuts to cuts both to jeff bridges and perry and jack are are in central park sleeping under the star in the under the stars watching clouds and jeff bridges is like look i can use my mind to part the clouds just like you told me to do <laughs> and he's like that's crazy <laughs> and, you know he's like that's the wind jack and, and they're naked yeah they're naked just like but, perry said but we never get to see jeff bridges i know you get no jeff bridges peen no bridges peen that's not fair i don't know what to tell you but then the, it, it it pans up onto the new york skyline that lights up it's this great animated sequence and yes. then the a version of the, a version of the song and... plays and and that song plays, and voila. So, Elizabeth, let me ask you, what did you think of this movie? This is a great movie. I really, really liked this movie. It's very whimsical. I mean, you know, it's all about redemption and and forgiveness, and <clears throat> I, I just it was it was beautiful. It's, I was it's touched. Uh, it's got an Amelie quality it to does. it as well. I mean, mm -hmm. if you, I think if you like movies like Amelie, the sort of magical realism of all of that, um, you will buy into this film. Absolutely. Um, it, it it does. I, I I've always loved movies that deal with the magic of everyday life. Uh, yes. That there that there is awe and wonder. That's why I like musicals so much. Right. Well, that's a quality because too. They're, they're magical and they're you know. Who breaks out in song and dance in the middle of whatever they're doing? Right, and who leads a, a chorus of homeless men singing? <laughs> exactly. Or mentally ill homeless people exactly. singing? Exactly. Uh, yeah. That's why I love that. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, so, uh, and this movie's—it's beautifully made. It's very well directed. It—it—it it, it, it just feels like. I know that Terry Gilliam was was known as a quirky director. You know, he'd made things like Time Bandits and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. And I think this was sort of. It was sort of he needed to ground himself in something that was more realistic that wasn't but written it's also by him. Still quirky. Well, that's what's so great is that he took another writer's script, and it, it's the perfect fusion of material and a, a directorial sensibility. Yes. And and that's what I love about this film. This and, and then great he, acting. And and great acting. I mean, everybody came together and did uh, phenomenal work. They did. And uh, I I think. I don't know if this is my favorite Terry Gilliam movie, but it might be because everything is everything in this film works. Yeah. And it works so well. And and I think, you know, watching it now, twenty nine years later, it's lost none of its power. Yeah. You know, there's there's nothing in it that really um dates it. I mean that you could if this same movie was shot today, other than the fact people might have cell phones or something. Yeah. I could see that this movie has a very there timeless. There would be a video store. Oh well, that's yes, that's the only thing <laughs> that the Mercedes Rule would have to have a different business. She would. She would have some kind of high end boutique, but she isn't high end, so no, she would probably it have be a high end. It would yeah, be she like would a, have yeah, like a thrift store. Yeah, like yes, she. That's what she would. That's what, she would yes. have a thrift store. Cheers to you. Cheers to that. That's exactly what she would have and as would a go thrift pop store. Some tags. They would pop. 
They'd Macklemore it up. Uh, yes, um, they would pop tags. That's what she would do. There might even be a Macklemore scene with Perry in a thrift Maybe store. Maybe that would be the song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then it would be, see, using It would that, have to be set in, in Seattle. Well, you know... Eh. <laughs> no, because I, I think that New York, it, it, even though this is a great New York story, it could be set anywhere, but there's something sort of indelible about the New York locations. Yeah. And, you know, there's that great moment where when you see Jeff Bridges swinging across the the battlements of whatever, the castle, yeah. and he, he, he makes him, he, he quips, it's great that no one in New York ever looks up. That's true. You know, you're looking on the streets, you never <laughs> like, hey. That's a great line. It's true. Nobody looks up. Nobody unless looks you're up. a tourist. But right. then you would be like in, you know. Then you just think, look at that man up You wouldn't there. be on a street like that. You would be, you know, at uh, Fifth Avenue or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it's great. It's great. Um, Wow, this is a we we this is taking us a long time. Why don't we wow. see why don't we see what anyone else is saying to us? First of all, I want to I want to uh, give a shout out to our boy Kaz Graphics, our cheesemonger. Today, today again, not only did Claude and Candida send us wine, but apparently a friend of Kaz Graphics, uh, Charles Smith, sent us two boxes of cheese again so our cheesemonger has once again facilitated the, the burnett actual work. cheesemonger sent us yeah the actual cheesemonger kaz sent us uh well his friend oh, charles smith yeah, a real cheesemonger <laughs> real i guess cheesemonger. sent us a a box of of the not just the smoked beecher's mac and cheese yeah but beecher's cheese and potatoes yeah. and fantastic yeah like like six different yeah, yeah frozen it, goodies uh, amazing absolutely amazing so <clears throat> our our honorary cheesemonger and a real cheesemonger we we thank you both thank so, you so, so much. cheers cheers to charles smith and cheers to cas graphics here's to for cheese. making sure yeah here's to cheese and what was the cheese what oh, was yeah. the, the hunk of cheese what was that cheese with with green and black peppercorn my god was that good I, I was like, we have to try this, and we tried it right away. Uh, yeah, it was so good. Uh, the Beecher's cheese thing. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. So thanks, thanks thank to you. thanks to Beecher's in Seattle. Thank you to Charles Smith, and thank you to Cas Graphics, and thanks to Claude and Candida for the wine. So cheers. Yes. For, all for your birthday. Yay! All Happy for your birthday, birthday. to me. <laughs> So let's see what do we have here. We got. Uh, let's go back and. Um, so Timbula is here. Timbula the spider monkey is here, and Timbula says, "Terry Gilliam is a director. I find it hard to pick a favorite movie from. Ask one day, I'd say Brazil. Next day, I'd say The Fisher King. Maybe Twelve Monkeys. Maybe Time Bandits. Baron Munchausen. Jabberwocky. Fear and Loathing. I can't pick one. You know, and they change too. His movies are very." Every time you watch them, you see different things. They hit you in a different way. Uh, he's a very interesting director. To me, lately, he's been very hit and miss. But um, I have to say that I, I don't disagree with you. I mean, I have so many different... I, I change, too. I can't decide. I mean, so... But, but what's so great is it, it, they're uniquely him. Yeah. He has such a strong directorial voice which i think is great yeah, timbula unique. goes on to say that's why he's in my top five directors of all time kurosawa kubrick hitchcock carpenter and gilliam all of them i can't pick a favorite 
except Seven Samurai from Kurosawa. <laughs> See, you're right, but you know what? There's movies from Kurosawa that I, I love Rashomon, I love High and Low. Seven Samurai is pretty epic, so maybe you're right about that. <laughs> um, cast Graphics... Cast Graphics is here and sent us a super chat. Thank Hello. you, sir. I love New York in June. How about you? <laughs> what a, it's great. Keep going, babe. You know, I didn't. I didn't stay uh, when we. I didn't watch the end credits. I. I don't know who sang the version of the song at the end. I didn't know if it was. It sounded kind of like Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, I wasn't sure either. I. I didn't. I should have listened. I well, didn't. Maybe it says on the, on your uh, cheat sheet. Oh, my cheat sheet. I, have, I don't really look at my cheat sheet. Let's hang on. Box <laughs> office, Colonel. Um, let's see. Mm. I don't know if it says. No. Uh, oh, right there. Oh, wait. No. How about you? Click on it. Well, yeah, okay, now we're clicking on this. So it's a popular song. It was a... Uh, uh, Ralph Freed wrote it, composed by Burton Lane, released in 1941. Other film appearances. Uh, Harry Nielsen sang it. All right, of course he did. All right, there you go. Of yeah, I think Harry Nielsen would be a better choice. Terry Gilliam might not have gone the Harry Connick Jr. route. Yeah, I didn't think it was him. Yeah. I, didn't, I couldn't tell who it was. Uh, Joshua Levesque sends in a tip and says, Robin Liz, another great show tonight. I've got a movie suggestion for more for future whining. The Dark Knight. Not sure if comic book movies are a possibility, but if they are, I think it'd be great choice. Thanks and have a better night. We could do that. <laughs> we could. Um, Cast Graphics sends in a super chat and says, "Jeff Bridges, I'm hearing horses. Perry would be so proud. Yes, <laughs> that is true. I love that. That's a great moment too. It is. That's a really fun moment because he just kind of stops." You know, and 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 looks at the thing, and it's yeah. it's it's a great and, and I, it was a great moment where I even said we all need some Perry in our life, meaning we all need to let go a little and stop being so you know serious and connect with our crazy. Yeah. Uh oh, I think I I think I shrunk something in my my image thing here, which I apologize for. I didn't mean to do that, but oh, <laughs> I, I I did. I made it too small. Oh, there we go. Sorry about that. <laughs> I got too uh, too excited. Uh, Claudius is here. Bon... Am I gonna have? To... I can't. Bon anniversaire, Elizabeth. C'est <laughs> un bon film. Jeff Bridges deservedly received the Cecil B. DeMille Lifetime Achievement Award at the Golden Globes. His nice. contribution to cinema is stealthy. Yeah. The Dude, The Last Picture Show, Starman, Crazy Heart, amazing. Oh no, he's, yeah, he's... Helen Highwater. No, Tron. Don't forget Tron. No, and King Kong, John Gillerman's 1976 King Kong. I mean, Jeff Bridges, you know, Cutter's Way, another great film. Jeff Bridges has an incredible filmography. And, you know, all the way, Bogdanovich's Last Picture Show. I mean, he has a 50-year career. Yeah. I mean, he is really impressive. He is impressive. And, and I think he's one of our, you know, great, great actors. He is. And the Coen Brothers remake of True Grit. That's right. Fill your hand, you son of a bitch. Yes. I mean, it's really great. I, really I, uh, I agree, Claude. Yeah, um, I'm a fan. Yeah, and also, you know, he, he has been married to his wife forever. And another thing that Jeff Bridges does that a lot of people don't know is that he's a photographer. And he's done incredible 
black and white large format photography on the sets that he does. I wow. think I think there's a book that he I'm not sure, but he's had that exhibitions. Would be cool. I would love. Yeah, I know that he shot uh, photographs from Tron. He shot stuff on on Tron and and on all the movies that he um uh has been in. He shot Oh, that's very cool. Yeah, really, really. So he's uh, an artist. Yeah, he is definitely an artist. Definitely an artist. Cast Graphics goes on and says, The scene in the restaurant was improvised. Originally, it was going to be shot outside, but it was raining. Um, oh, where where they go to dinner? Um, oh, yeah, I bet that. I Yeah, I bet that's... Oh. I didn't realize that. Oh, the, well, that's why. That's why they used the wipes, because the, it was improvised. They were doing all that business... So they, they wipe in the scene because sometimes improv, and I'm sure you're working with Robin Williams when you say improv, that you turn him on and he goes for an and hour. He, goes, <laughs> he probably burned out three or four of the biggest film magazines they had. They probably shot hours worth of footage. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine. Claudius sends in a tip and says, Mon ami, you ever read any Nietzsche? Nietzsche says there's two kinds of people in the world. People who are destined for greatness like Walt Disney and Hitler. Then there's the rest of us. Actually, I don't believe this. That's another thing Perry said. Yeah, yeah. So, I think Perry said it, didn't he? Or maybe Jack said it. I think Perry said it. Yeah, Perry. Perry said it. Um, I don't believe that there's only oh, two kinds of people in the world. Who said it? Yeah, I'm like... To I don't know, but it was, that was a great... Um, it's a great line. It wasn't Perry. It was Jack. It was Jack? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't... I think we're all destined for greatness in our own ways. Like, if you define greatness, I mean, a mother can be great to a parent, uh, a child. You know, and, and I think when you say greatness, not everybody's going to be Walt Disney, but there are some people like... Yeah. You know, I, I think about another, another magical real movie that we should do is Field of Dreams. Okay. Have you seen Field of Dreams? I have, but I don't remember. Okay. Come on, man. Field of Dreams? I've seen it. All right. Because that is another film that I, I, I adore. Mm -hmm. And and the idea that there is magic in the world. I mean, it's it's real ridiculous magic. Uh, but, but there is still something about it where there's this great moment with Burt Lancaster's character is, is a doctor. And you find out there's a... They go... Uh, uh, Kevin Costner goes to the librarian and this old woman who tells him the story of how this doctor, who's just a doctor in a small town, what what he did and 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 how he was great, but to the people of that small town. Right. You know, and, and while he this guy was not Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh, uh, right, he, but, the, but those people are, in history, all that, all those wonderful people are forgotten. And the ones that have you know, there are only a few that are remembered throughout history. Right, that history itself, but but with seven billion people on the world, in the world, I mean, history is going to remember hundreds, if that. Yeah. And and every year, those people, like five hundred years ago, how many people? Unless you're reading a dusty history book, even the people that that were there for critical points of of history, of all the people that have lived since the dawn, since mankind came out of the trees. How many people are remembered? Not very many. So, so true greatness, uh, and all of human history. You know, we're building. Everybody is building upon each other, and and while I think the great tragedy of our lives, of human lives, 
is we don't we don't recognize like we're so busy looking out uh, to the rich and the famous and and what those people are doing we don't realize that the the effect that we can all have on on one another because our the civilization that we live in does not reward that you know we don't it, it, the, the, the Look, if we didn't have great people in our lives, if there weren't heroes all well, over the place... that's why I think movies are so important because they can, you can highlight stories of people that you would never know their story otherwise. Right. You know, people who did great things, but in a small way. You know, I read about a, a doctor who was on the front lines today, and um, he, he, he knew that he had a pulmonary, some kind of a condition. Mm -hmm. He knew that if he contracted COVID, he would die. And, and yet because he was a doctor and he couldn't and he did he did contract covid and he did die oh man you know and 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 now he was a hero and and history might not remember him i mean i read an article about him today but and other people will too but but yeah in a hundred years we just even in five days nobody's gonna the universe it. is indifferent the universe has no yeah. memory yeah, when you know when you get my just having my birthday, when you get older, you really think about this kind of stuff a lot. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you're gonna you're gonna leave art behind for the world. Yeah, I keep thinking like, yeah, but there's just so much art out there, like even that. Yeah, but you can't. I mean, look, that's why I hated Star Trek Beyond, because Captain Kirk's like, eh, you know, what are we doing out here? I don't like exploring the cosmos. I mean, there's so much of it. We're never going to make a difference. And why are we here? I was like, fuck this movie. <laughs> fuck the fucking J.J. Abrams era of Star Trek. Fuck them. Sorry, that's just an aside. I fuck And Justin Lin, who directed Tokyo Drift and Fast Five, made that movie. And I'm like, what the hell is this bullshit? Oh, that's sad. The antithesis of Star Trek. Sorry. Everything eventually comes back around to Star Trek for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, the last 11 years has been the great Star Trek hostage crisis. But but that whole exchange with Kirk is like... Nye, 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 nye. Yeah. yeah. I hate that shit. Speaking of that, should we talk about... Yeah. Should We, we have an announcement to make, yes, ladies and gentlemen. We We're going to make an announcement uh, on this show. Yes, we are. Elizabeth and I are going to do a new show. And uh, why did this come about? Why don't you put the camera on us? Oh, yes, I should. I should. Well, wait, hang on. Well, yeah, we'll go back. We'll go back to this, the Super Chats. Um, so what have you been doing for the last week or two? <laughs> more than a, a couple. couple weeks. weeks. Maybe more. Um, yeah, so I needed, with my birthday looming and coming quickly, I just needed to feel nostalgic for when I was younger and things were easy and so I was wanting to watch something. And what have you been watching? And I've been watching Star Trek. Which Star Trek? The original series. The original series. That's my girl. <laughs> You're deep into the third season I now. I am deep. I am deep. And, and uh, we started talking. We did. We started talking. And we're like, you know, what if we did a show about Star Trek, yes. but from a different perspective. There's been so much ink spilled and so many YouTube shows and so much stuff. Um, now, we, we weren't, like, we didn't, I, I, I don't want to do a review show. I was like, we can't do a review. I don't want to review Star Trek episodes. Right. But to discuss each and every episode could be fun. Very fun. From a certain perspective. So we did a little brainstorming. Yeah, we started coming up with names for the show. Names for the show. And so... <laughs> Elizabeth and I are going to do a Star Trek show. 
We are. And, you know, like Roddenberry does Mitchin logs and all that. So we are going to do a show called The Heart of Trek, A Couple's Guide to the Final Frontier. <laughs> and we are going to start this show probably in uh, two weeks, uh, probably the second week of August. We are going to start with Where No Man Has Gone Before. Don't don't get me started. About, <laughs> we're not starting with the cage, and we'll explain why. I've already explained it on the show, but we're not starting with the cage. Where No Man Has Gone Before. The Heart of Trek, A Couple's Guide to the Final Frontier. Yes, yes, yes. And we're going to go through the entire, all of the Star Trek episodes. We are. But we're not going to, we're going to end at the end of Enterprise in 2005. We're not going to talk about Star Trek Discovery or Picard. (laughs) Why not? Because we wouldn't be a couple anymore if we did that. (laughs) But I think we're on the same page about that stuff. Yeah, well, I, 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 you know what? It's not canonical. Okay, we, we don't stop need to talk at about we stop at 2005 because <laughs> the Great Star Trek hostage crisis that began. Well, I mean, that's a long ways away. It is a long way away. I mean, we have 79 episodes of the original series. Yeah. We have 22 episodes of the animated series. We have 178 episodes of the Next Generation. We have 172 episodes of Deep Space Nine. I think there's 172 episodes of Voyager. Yeah, that's a lot. That's that's a, lot a long of time. And if we do like one a week. I think it would take us t- 10 years or something. <laughs> Maybe we should do more than once a week. May, well, what are we going to do? Three shows here? and t- t- how, I, how much talking do I have to do on the internet? Uh, I'm going to get chained to this desk. So that's what we're going to do. Well, yeah. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> the Heart of Trek. A couple's guide to the final frontier. Indeed. So there you go. <laughs> um... Uh, Let's see, uh, Doc Savage sends in a super chat and says, Whoosh! Good movie choice. Thanks for reminding me this movie existed. I'm glad I'm not the only one who got misty in this film. Oh, this film, absolutely, you get misty. You get misty in it. Uh, Candida Rule is here. (laughs) (laughs) Women were created out of God, because after all, women can have babies, which is kind of like creating. And which also accounts for the fact that women are so attracted to men, because let's face it, the devil is a hell of a lot more interesting. <laughs> Another great line. Yeah. The script is amazing. It's such an amazing, such an amazing script. Uh, John sends in a super chat and says, Hail Elizabeth and RMB, cheers. cheers. Well, thank you so much. Um, Claudius Perry, Claude <laughs> says, there are, three, there are three things in this world that you need. Respect for all kinds of life. A nice bowel movement on a regular basis, and a navy blazer. I would say that's <laughs> philosophically that is the great underpinning. That, that's some truth. This movie drops some truth. <laughs> a lot of truth. A lot of truth. Um, Kevin, the Cosmic Doctor, sends in a tip and says, "Love the Fisher King." Oh, the Comic Doctor. Did I say the Cosmic Doctor? And yes, <laughs> I have a package ready to go, Kevin. I'm sending it to you. Uh, love the Fisher King, along with the fabulous Baker Boys and Tucker. Those are just a few of Jeff Bridges' films that I really appreciated in late 80s, yeah. early 90s. The Fisher King was one of my first DVDs, and Bridges' hairdo was slick. Yes. Great flick. Jeff Bridges has, I mean, his hair. He's got great hair. He's got great hair. I yeah. mean, and and it's he's got peak Bridges' hair in this movie with the yeah. especially when he's when he, when he's doing well the slick back hair yes. with the ponytail super sexy yeah it's he, he's great yeah 
Yeah, the Bridges hair has never let anyone down. Kevin the Comic Doctor is also Kevin the Cosmic Doctor. <laughs> Apparently. John sends in a super chat and says, Congrats on the new show. I Thank can't you. wait. Well, we are over excited. we are over time and we've got some mac and cheese. We've got some Beecher's mac and cheese. We do have Beecher's waiting for us inside. That uh, we do. And uh, we should make a video. I don't know. Put it up. Sure. Send it send it to Charles. <laughs> send it to Charles. Send it to Charles. So, Elizabeth, we come to that time in the show yes. where uh, we talk about our bottoms-up scale. What is our bottoms-up scale? Our bottoms-up scale is from one to four glasses of wine because there are four glasses in a bottle. Four glasses in a bottle. Four glasses in a bottle. So, on a scale of one to four glasses of water, water, wine. Of water? Of water. Are you turning water into wine? <laughs> I am. That's what I do. Uh, on a scale of one to four glasses of wine, how many glasses of wine do you give the Fisher King? I give Fisher King 3.75 glasses. Ooh, 3.75. I'm going to go three and a half. I mean, as much as I love this movie, I and I, I do think, you know, it's... it, it it's it, To me, it, it doesn't get quite to four glasses of wine because it doesn't resonate with me the way some movies do, but it still resonates with me a lot. Do you know why I didn't give it four? I don't. Are you going to tell me? Because you didn't. We didn't get to see Jeff Bridges's. Are you telling me the difference between three and point seven five stars and four stars is Jeff Bridges's cock? Do you have to use that word? We don't get to see his is uh you know his Magic his Johnson his package. I mean, we saw Robin Williams. Well, in silhouette, flopping around. No. He Full frontal. A little bit. Uh, you know what? You didn't ask me to like turn up the brightness so we could really see. It's okay. Which I I'm saw glad. It. All right. There you go. All right. Well. Anyway. All right. Um. <laughs> so there we go. I give it three and a half glasses of wine. You give it three point seven five. Yeah, I glasses do. I enjoyed this film a lot. Now let me ask you this: We watched Brazil. Yes. And and this. Do you like this better than Brazil? I did like Brazil. Very different movies. Yeah. Hard to compare and but contrast. You can, you can still see that it's made by the same hand. Yeah. No, I think so too. Um, I don't know. Um, Kevin, the comic, uh, Kevin, the <laughs> cosmic doctor says, good luck on your new show, Elizabeth and Rob. We will be sure to tune in. Rob, all these shows, <laughs> Will you be a full-time YouTuber before you know it? No, 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 I'm not. No full-time, I'm still doing work, which is good. Yeah. But I, I think that, you know, it would be nice to do, people always ask me, people have asked me to do a Star Trek show for a long, long time. And I was like, I don't want to do, like, what, what do we have to offer, what do I have to offer that's anything different? And I, I'll tell you why I think that now is the time. Because starting in the beginning, starting next week, we're going to have 23 weeks of new Star Trek with animated Lower Decks, and beginning in October, the third season of Star Trek Discovery. And to spare the viewers, such as you and myself, uh, bile and rants and, and, and <laughs> complete unpleasantness, and to keep me sane, because I'm still going to talk about every episode of new Star Trek, I wanted to... Get back to my roots and do something positive. And I think doing a show where we can do it together 
and listening to her what I've what I've loved as Elizabeth has watched Star Trek when I'm here working or something she texts me and gives me this running commentary about the things that she sees in the episodes <laughs> that are really interesting. It's like, you know, it's from her perspective and not someone who is inundated. She's always like Star Trek, but it's not something that, you know, it, it wasn't a lifestyle choice for her the way it is for some of I, us. I love Star Trek, but I'm not the kind of person who watches shows about it, reads articles about it, or anything like that. I have my own, I have formulated my own opinion right. about it, so um, it'll be perspective, like, I'm not influenced by anything else, and I might say things you guys don't agree with, but it's just my read, my take. Um, yeah, and I think that that's unique, that's something that we can bring to Star Trek, uh, Star Trek analysis that people haven't seen before, at least the way we would do it. Yeah. The way we would do it, so... And I, you know, I'm happy to do it because I've I've quite enjoyed the things that you you say to me, <laughs> and it's it's been a lot of fun. So if we can bring if 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 we can bring together the delight that you've brought to me with your little text from watching the episodes, <laughs> I think uh, we'll we'll have a, a hit show on our hands. But um, yeah, a hit show, fun. I don't know what that means, but you know, hopefully well, people like it. It'll be fun for us. It'll be fun for regardless. us, regardless. Mm -hmm. And uh, Bronze Age Slacker, the answer is both. Oh, I didn't see what the question was. <laughs> uh, I, no, it already, it already. Oh, it's gone. It already passed. Um, um, so John can't wait to see it. Kevin, the Cosmic Doctor, can't wait. Claudia says, "Mon ami." So during 1991, I actually roamed Manhattan with a navy blazer and khaki pants. Weird. I'm still wearing the same style. I loved the Fisher King and early 1990s NYC. Yeah, you know, early 90s NYC seems to be like it was a magical period of time because it was sort of post-American psycho <clears throat> 80s. The, the greed of Wall Street, the cocaine and all that. It seemed like things started to get a little bit more sane, a little bit more, you know, mellowed out. Although, I don't know, I wasn't there. Maybe I'm completely off base. The first time I went to New York was in 1990. And it was magical. I yeah. went with my sister, and we were there for a week, and it was it was a magical, magical place. Yeah, I was there in 80... Uh, I don't know, 84, 85? Yeah. And then later on, I lived close by, and we, we would go often. Yeah, see, I, I, I love New York, so I still love New I York. I love New York. I mean, I was there in January, um, and, and January, February, um, and I love it. Although it's changed awesome. a lot, it's it's New York. I mean, a, a lot of the funky the funkiness has been moved aside. For I understand billionaires row and all of that, which is sort of sort of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, you know, I I didn't spend that much time there, so I can't really compare. So I don't know. To me, New York New York is New York. Right. Right. Um, but yeah. Well, gentle beings, kind souls, this brings us to an end of uh, Whining About Movies, episode number 59. Number 59. Number 59. I want to thank our um, moderating staff. I want to thank uh, Mike Bodden. I want to thank Greg Smith. I want to thank the Richard, Joshua Levesque. Uh, Mr. Derringer is here. Uh, thank you guys for moderating. I want to remind everyone that the Richard is always having watch parties on the Post Geek Singularity Facebook page and the Whining About Movies and Facebook Zoom page. Too. And Zoom parties too. I, I want to announce, what are, we got a few things to announce, oh, yes, things that are do. coming up. Can you do the arrow again? Oh, the arrow again. We got movies that we're, we've got coming up. What are we doing on uh, 
What are we doing? We're doing Friday. Okay, Friday I had chosen um, La La Land. I know many of you do not like that film, but I was hoping that we could um, at least shed some light as to why it's a good film. But then I was thinking about next Friday, and I am oh, yeah, this is a good one. choosing Rocky. Now, if you'd rather, we could do Rocky this Friday. Mm -hmm. Uh, no, we should do La La Land. Okay, we'll do La La Land, and next Friday is Rocky. And next week, I'm hoping, <laughs> I've spoken to two different people, I'll keep it a secret who they are, to join us. We want to try and get the first two guests, if we can't get both of them at the same time, maybe one of them, uh, to be our first guests on Whining About Movies, where we are going to talk about, because I finally have it on Blu-ray, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. That's Wednesday, though. Hopefully, well, Monday or Wednesday. I want it to oh. be Wednesday. It depends on schedules. Schedules gotcha. permitting. Gotcha. Uh, our, our guests, one of them might be watching even now. Uh, but I'd like to do it. We will have two guests joining us for analysis on Spike Lee's classic, Do the Right Thing. Always do the right thing. Always. Always do the right thing. I love Do the Right Thing. And uh, I we haven't done Spike Lee yet. So, hopefully, uh, we will have the guests we want and it'll be a star-studded show very cool and yeah so that's Alrighty. that's what we got coming so we're doing rocky next friday we're doing la la land this friday la la land this friday rocky next friday and uh, do the right thing we're gonna do on wednesday and monday i don't know yet i don't i don't know <laughs> okay yet. you still have friday to figure it out i still have friday to figure it out i do figure it out by friday by friday Yes, I will do that. So, cheers to this episode. Cheers. Episode 59. So, uh, take us out. Everyone you meet has a story to tell that you have yet to hear, and all you have to do is listen. All you have to do is listen. And? <laughs> have a better night. Have a better night. Thanks, everybody. Thank you for the support of the channel. We very much appreciate it. Uh, through tips and super chats and all of that. And also, you can write us letters at the burnettwork.net website. We love you reading also letters. Send us videos. You can send us videos. No one sent Whining About Movies a video yet. No. But, um, you know. Uh, I want a parody of this show. Oh, no. Uh oh. <laughs> can you imagine? I mean, if, if BL Alley did a sh parody video with himself and himself, like he's got. <laughs> There are two BL alleys. That would be technically very difficult to oh do. Oh my god, that would be hilarious. It would be, I mean, he, he did, cracks me up. I know. I'm sorry. Oh, what did you, you what did you what did you think of his latest video when he reads the letter? Oh my god, I laugh out loud every time. Yes, you do. I think you like his show better than my show. I know you don't. Oh man. Okay. On that note. Um. <laughs> <laughs> John says, Rob, what was your involvement on the Blu-ray release of The Hills Front Red? <laughs> well, since you asked, since you asked, John, as many of you know, a movie I produced, The Hills Run Red, recently came out on home video on Blu-ray for the first time from Scream Factory. And of course, I produced the disc along with director Dave Parker. We produced over six and a half hours of special features, and I'm certainly glad that John asked us about that because you know uh, one day and that day may never come I will stop talking about the hills run red
So for those of you who want to support, I don't make a dime from the sale of this disc anymore, but it's pretty cool it's out there. And if you want to know how low-budget horror films are made, you can watch over six and a half hours of special features and find out everything you needed to know. And on that note, Elizaviews Whining About Movies, episode 59, comes to an end.